Carla Olson has just released Have Harmony Will Travel Free, featuring collaborations with the likes of The Hollies' Alan Clark, B.J. Thomas in his final recording session, and Eric Johnson. Here is Carla to give us an overview of her incredible career as a musician and producer, beginning with her move from Austin, Texas to Los Angeles over 40 years ago, along with Kathy Valentine to form the Textones and then the Go-Go's. I think that when we got out to LA, everything was going about 2,000 BPM more faster than what we thought. Right. And a lot of bands were doing, they were doing covers and we had were started, started writing our own material when we first got here. And uh, as a matter of fact, Kathy wrote Vacation when she was in the Textones. And that's right, I read about that, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and, and also uh, We Don't Get Along and Can't Stop the World, which were also Textones uh, in our repertoire. Right. And uh, they, she took those to the Go-Go's when she, when she uh, hopped over and started yeah. playing with them, so. But we, you know, we were not really not part of the mask thing. We weren't really involved in the punk thing. It was more of, we were kind of like a rock band. But right, right, yep. And, you know, two women, two women fronting a rock band was considered to be a bit extreme, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> we, we were kind of, we were kind of rowdy. <laughs> Fair enough. That's good on you. Yeah. And you mentioned the Stones. Have you heard the new Stones album? I have. As a matter of fact, uh, we tried to go out and get it on Friday, but we had a, anyway, death in the family and it was a funeral uh, that day. And we, my record came out that day too. Right, so yeah. it was like, we, it, it was, it was a sad day, but a good day. And the next day we got right out and started looking for it and nobody had it. So after the third, let's see, fourth, fifth, fifth place that we went to, we finally found a couple of copies, which uh, was at Barnes and Noble bookstore. Right. That was the big box. People had it, and the distributor somehow or another it slipped through the hands of the distributors for the for the the one stops and the record stores. Didn't they didn't get it? They got the vinyl, but they didn't get the they didn't get the CDs. So yep, yep, we were yep. lucky. We got it and popped it in the car and drove around town. And I mean, we listen. I listen in the car with with my husband. We drive around. We still have an old older car with CD player. Yep. Probably why we rolled onto the old car, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, <laughs> see the 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 for me. I mean, I like three or four. I like four of the songs a lot. I like a couple of them, kinda. I'm not quite there yet with them. But the best the best song to me on the record. I like the single. It's okay. Uh, yep. Angry was good, um, and uh, the sad ballad. You know, uh, heaven is, yep. is yep. good. But the uh, for me the live by the sword. Is is the Stones? I mean, that sounds. I mean, it's got Charlie and Bill on it. It sounds yeah, yeah, like yeah. Stones to me. That's what you want. <laughs> That's what we want exactly. So we're in there. You know, every if 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 you only had one great Stone song on all and on any record that they put out, it would be worth it. Worth buying for yep. anything else that you're going to buy. I hear you. And I'm kind of radical by saying that, but. You know, there's, there's, there's not, I mean, it's case closed. <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, God bless them. They're still with us. Freaking Mick is 80 now, you know, and there he's still, he sounds great on the record. Oh, I, and I read an interview with, uh, with the, the, the new producer. And he said that, uh, Jagger was out there stripping off his clothes and, you know, trying to <laughs> just getting in, getting into the song, you know, cause that's, that's what you have to do if you're, if you're 
working with a new producer, you got to convince him that you know what you're doing and yep. he's got some suggestions and hopefully make it make what you're doing better. So, right. So now let's segue into your record. Have Harmony Will Travel 3. You cover Street Fighting Man, of course. So, uh, why yep. choose that one out of all the Stones tunes you could have chosen? My favorite Rolling Stone song ever. Is it? I love them all. Second favorite is uh, Wild Horses, which uh, I'm proud to say that I also recorded that one of uh, 2019 with my buddy Todd Wolf. Right. We did an acoustic version of that, and uh, and and uh, I guess maybe it it always seemed to me. Well, I like I love the recording the studio version of Street Fighting Man, but I love the live versions that Mick Taylor played on because right. to me it came it it certainly went from being uh, period to being this power rock and roll you know showstopper, which just to me was just great. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I, much as I love Woody. I, I wish Mick Taylor would still be hanging out with them more often than he does because he definitely added something to the band when he joined. Yeah, boy, yeah, second that motion, yeah. Oh well. And, and speaking, so if that's your favorite uh, Stones, you cover, you follow it with my favorite Who song, "I Can See for Miles." So. <laughs> Mine too. That's why I cut that one. <laughs> other really i mean kids are all right it's great too sure Stuff's sure absolutely it's great I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of songs that the the who just sell it i mean it's great but all i got quadrophenia say, for one thing <laughs> absolutely and did you see the tour yeah. the quadrophenia tour i did too i saw it in dallas and yep. I, I mean a double album i could still put it on and just the whole thing i just listen to the whole thing and drive yep. around town it's just yep. 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 Yeah. yeah 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 so, so, uh, and you worked with Gary Myrick on that and a few other things. So tell me about how the tune, how you, what kind of discussions do you have? Or you just plug in and play it? Well, Gary, I've known, I mean, we're from both from Texas. He's from Dallas and uh -huh. uh, migrated down to Austin before I left there. So I, I mean, I, I, I left Austin in ooh, 1970 to go overseas. I went and lived over there for several months with my brother. He was living in Rome and studying acting. And when I came back in uh, in late 1970, uh, I ran into Gary in one of the clubs, and he introduced himself, and we started talking. And you know, he was big time into T Rex. I mean, that was his whole thing then. Right. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. But through the years, we've kind of stayed friends. And he got out to LA before I did, and had a you know had a great career with uh, with um, uh, his. Uh, 
sort of an an 80s thing, but it was still his Texas kind of almost T-Rexy sounding songs. Right. And uh, um, uh, if you like his style, then you'll like what he's playing on I Can See For Miles. So he's a, he's a, he's man, he's a, a, a screaming guitar player without shredding. He's a screaming guitar player. So yeah, yeah. 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 So we've got uh, Graham Nash coming here in New Zealand in a couple of weeks or months. And I see you got Alan Clark on your record, which is pretty cool. I thought thought Alan was all retired, but how, how'd you get him to, to do this thing? Well, my husband knew the Hollies and work, had worked with uh, uh, Nash's management and knew the Hollies back in the early 70s, too. And and. Uh, he we we went over i guess my my husband and i went saul davis and i went over to visit uh some people and do some stuff and do some business in london and we called alan and said you want to meet us take a train down and meet us and have some lunch and it was pouring down rain he took the train down he says the the train almost didn't make it because the tracks were so so uh flooded but luckily we got together and he was you know i'm my wife is not well and you know i want to take care of her and I can't sing in those keys anymore, much like Roger Daltrey can't sing in the keys that, key, that uh, Pete writes songs in. And he's, he just basically said, you know, I'm kind of throwing in the, 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 the sponge as the Brits would say. <laughs> and uh, we said, well, i tell you what, if you get half of an idea, throw mm-hmm. it our way and we'll try to, you know, we'll try to see if we can't uh, hustle up some, some interest. And, so I don't know, a couple of years later, he sends me some lyrics and um, said, uh, you kind of got me going on this. I thought, well, I can write some lyrics. I still, uh, maybe I can't sing, but I can write some lyrics. And he sent me a couple sets of lyrics and one, one set was called A Love That Never Blooms. And uh, I, of course, we're unforgivingly procrastinators, right? So I sat yeah, around yeah. and finally got around to, working on the music to it. I had a million things going on, like live bands, I was producing stuff. And I started working on that song and I thought it seemed like a beautiful ballad. And uh, and then when I sent it back to him, I think he kind of thought more about it being maybe for me rather than him. So I just went and de- made a demo of it with uh, actually with Vince Maloney from the Bee Gees. He's a friend of, friend of mine, the original Bee Gees guitar player. And we did a little demo of it and sent it back to him. And he says, well, that sounds pretty good. You know, yep. he ended up he ended up not using that song, but he ended up sending me another lyric, Hearts of Stone, uh-huh. which ended up on his solo album uh, that he finally got around to making, got his grandson to help him figure out Garage Band. And he, <laughs> he, yeah, I know. Well, a lot of us don't know how to do that stuff, but he uh, he made a record uh, with with my husband Saul's help getting a, a a record deal with believe it or not a deal if you can say that anymore with a BMG uh, right. German label and uh, they put out the record in 2019 and of course we all know what happened after that the next year we got COVID so everything stopped grinding yep. to a halt uh, but Alan kept writing and kept working on songs and. Um, he sent me a, another lyric, which, I mean, I sent him a lyric actually, which I had written in the eighties that I thought was, uh, poignant and certainly timely with, with a lot of, uh, a lot of people being, um, st- on the street. And, uh, I sent him the lyric and then about, I don't know, three or four months later, he sent me back this beautiful song 
It Makes Me Cry is what he named it. I had it, it was called something else, but he named it, It Makes Me Cry. The thought of him just trying to get by. Once again, procrastinating due to COVID, but I finally did get this, the track done. I used his track that he sent me a har beautiful harmonica on it. And I just eventually, it became part of this Have Harmony Will Travel 3. Right, and right. So I, sent him my, I sent him my scratch vocal with, uh, with the band backing me up, which is the band that's on the record here. And he sent his vocals back to me and he said, now I want you to triple track your vocal. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, I never really did that. He said, well, that's what Graham and I did. Right. <laughs> and at the time he was working on the album that he ended up with Graham uh, singing on uh, like nine of the songs, which is his second solo album of yep. recent uh, uh, note. And uh, that's the one with his buddies back on it and stuff like that. So, but yeah, Alan is a, a real, a real um, sweet, very sweet, generous man. Very sweet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Made some great records. And, oh my God! I mean, look at look at all the great songs. Plus, you've got you got the early stuff. Yeah. Which is Must Stop and you know Carrie Ann and uh, Stop 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 and all those songs. Yep. Look through any window, and then uh, you've got the later stuff, which is also incredible the you know the air that i breathe and yeah, yep, have you yep. brother, long cool woman how many yep, times there's... have you heard that and wherever <laughs> you are so and when i heard the harmonica on your your version what she's playing i realized he must be playing the harmonica on he ain't heavy he's my brother is that right no he didn't he didn't no, okay I thought, no but but see they the style is very similar and that's alan alan you know he i i thought so too but no but i did when i went to mix it uh, and and everybody kept saying it's too long, and I said no, it's not. And they were going no, it's too long for radio. And I said I don't care. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to cut Alan's beautiful harmonica solo in half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I mean I'll be dead before I do that. So, uh, but anyway, <laughs> it, it, yeah, Alan is a wonderful harmonica player. He's also a, a, what I would what I would call a, no one sounds like Alan Clark. Yeah, when you hear that voice. You don't think, oh, gee, I wonder if that was, uh, no, mm -hmm. it's not. It's yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. So, now, the other person he got on there is, is uh, B.J. Thomas, which is sadly his last, was his last time he was in the studio? I don't know what, how that all he happened. Have, he might have been in the studio, but, uh, but nothing came out that I'm aware of. And we're right. quite, you know, familiar with uh, his um repertoire on his, the, the people that he, he had been working with some people and, and recording some stuff, but that that what got him was cancer and it was advancing very quickly oh boy i think that uh, uh it, it really took them by surprise and it's so incredibly sad but that song we we were doing a um saul and i were involved with a charity uh called water water.org that was matt damon's charity at one point he was trying to to provide clean water to third world country, countries yep. and they were planning on doing some kind of a online uh, streaming thing at that point way back then and so 
we decided to cut cool water and ask BJ if he would, he was going to be in town anyway. He had a gig around and he, every time he was in town, he'd call us and we'd go to gigs and stuff. And um, he said he would love to sing that, but he didn't want it to sound country. Right. And, and you know, he's from Fort Worth. Well, he's actually from Houston. He lived in Fort Worth, but he's from Houston, around Houston. And I'm from Austin. And we, we have a similar problem is that we open our mouth and people think we're country. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> never really worked for me. <laughs> Becker was, was never really wanting to hear anything from Carl Olson's camp. So, um, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? But uh, and same with Willie, he had the same problem. So. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm just, I was just so thrilled when we finally got it done, and he 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 approved the vocal that we did, that way we had, you know, put things together on it, and then. Um, he said, why don't you sing the harmony on that? And I went, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I didn't, I waited. And right. then he passed away. And then uh, when I decided that it was going to be, you know, I don't want this. People should hear this. It's yeah. beautiful. Yep. And uh, I asked uh, uh, Willie's harmonica player, Mickey Raphael, who I'd been doing some stuff with for the Americana Railroad album, which I don't know if you were familiar with that at all, that came out. Uh, last year, uh, with, it had um, Rocky Burnett was on it, and right. uh, John Fogarty and Mickey played harmonica on both of those tracks. That I met him through the through Instagram, and we start. <laughs> he, he was locked down. I was locked down. We were trying to find some way to you know keep doing this. Right. And uh, so he put harmonica on it, and I sang a harmony on it. And how'd you choose the tune? I know, I know it from Marty Robbins' version way back. Marty then. Robbins. Well, see, my mother, that was her favorite album, was Gunfighter <laughs> Battle. Not to mention he wasn't too bad to look at. You know, right. if you were, you know, if you were the, the, my mother's age at that point. Uh, and I was probably, we were still, we still had a high five. Right. A high five back then when we listened to the Marty Robbins album. And uh, of course, after the album got scratched and would put it somewhere that you could still look at the cover. <laughs> you could still exactly. look at the cover, which is great. So, and that whole thing with the, you know, the hat. Uh, anyway. yeah. So, uh, uh, but um, <laughs> I digress. Sorry. Marty, <laughs> Robbins is, Marty Robbins is where I know the song from. However, most people that are a little generation older than me would say that the Sons of the Pioneer was yeah. great. Yep, 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 yep. So I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the last three tracks, which are you and Gene Clark together again, once more, or recorded live back in 87, I think it was. Uh, he's everybody's favorite bird, so uh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not gonna let I'm not gonna let that one slip away. Uh, <laughs> could you say that one more time? <laughs> she is. He's. I know he's mine. <laughs> I'm, well, I had my chance to know. meet him back in like '78 or '79 when McGuinn and Clark just first got together again right. before they right. hooked up with Hillman, and and he and I interviewed him, and he was he was beautiful beautiful human being you could just tell he was a beautiful guy yeah, yeah he was not only that he was a real kidder he loved oh, yeah. to pull jokes on people you know and then he was sometimes he'd take on another personality like he had this character called reggae man <laughs> <laughs> he 
Gino, Gino would pretend like he was from the Caribbean, you know. Nice. <laughs> Wouldn't see that coming. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, Gene was, uh, Gene taught me a lot about singing and singing softly. Because, you know, when you're fronting a band with two guitars, bass and drums and a sax and keys, you're kind of singing at the, you know, balls out kind of level. And he would tell, oh, he always tell me when we get together, he'd go, back off the mic a little, back off that mic and, and, and sing like you're singing to the last person in the place, but right. make every word count. That was, you know, he was very serious about that. And he also would say to me, you know, never lose the chance to be poetic. Right. Don't just write a line, make yeah. sure that it has some relevance or some, uh, some clever twist, or even that it's just a beautiful poetry. Yeah, yep, yep, yeah. And that was recorded at some festival in Nashville, wasn't it? It was, uh, they don't have it anymore. It's called the Summer Lights Festival. And uh, that was in 1987. And we were both not doing, physically not doing great. I was having some problems, uh, uh, endocrine problems. I came down with type one diabetes that year. Uh. And out of the blue, not knowing what hit me. And Jean was, had stomach problems and, and did not know what was happening there it was some ulcers and things like that but we had gone to nashville and uh uh in, on the imitation of of uh, the show nashville now right which is the, the uh, well i don't know if that was cable or what it was but anyway that we were on there we did uh two songs with the band the house band uh we did gypsy rider and we did um uh the drifter from that album the so rebellious a lover album which had just come out right at, like the duets album and uh and it was cute because we were in the dressing room there putting makeup on us and, and uh uh rodney dillard came in and he was oh he and gene were just I, they when they get together it was just nuts you know yep. just i mean dillard and clark i i never saw them but i did yep. I, I i mean i met rodney and i thought to myself hmm i don't know this is, might not be a good influence <laughs> but, yeah, well. um, i don't know which would be worse or gene or rodney. but um yeah we um the summer lights festival was the next night that we did and right. it was an outdoor festival with uh there were it was a lot of people from bug music which was our publisher at the time there they were peter cases there right. And uh, Ronnie Crowell and uh, uh, Marty Stewart was there, and uh, uh, a couple of other uh, big stars that I'm, you know, losing my memory here. But but Gene and I went on, and they were all in the wings watching us. You see, right, you You know, there's nothing to explain. She should have known by now. You're just a vagabond. You may never pass this way again. Matter of fact, when I got off the stage, I was talking to, to Marty and he said, God, I'm such a Gene Clark fan. And I said, Well, we all are. I mean, <laughs> there you go. He was, he was, you know, and, and Marty doesn't get wowed by many people. I, yeah. I think at this point he's kind of seen and done it all. But yeah. you know, 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was it. So the guy that was running the sound got in touch with us right before we we just mastered this uh, this record and get, did all the artwork, all the print copy and everything. And he said, I've got a bunch of tracks with you guys from the Summer Lights Festival. Would you like to have them? <laughs> and uh, his name's Rob Bleetstein, and, and uh, he sent them to us. And there are a couple of more that are with uh, rhythm section, but the the stage was not mic'd up for that. So the the three the three songs that sounded the best were the ones with just Gene and I playing acoustic guitar and singing. Nice, so, nice, yeah, beautiful stuff. So you also have a, a parallel career as a producer, which uh... <laughs> <laughs> for a while it was all I was doing because I you know was, didn't have a band and. Right. You know, after Mick moved back to uh, England, I, Mick Taylor, I, I, that was the band that I was playing with, part of which was the Textones and part of which were some other musicians that uh, joined us. And uh, I don't know, lost my steam a little bit and then got into producing. And I thought, well, I really love playing live. That's really where my heart is. Uh -huh. And I really love playing in a band. But if I could make another choice and I got involved in production, with um, Mayor Winningham, the actress Mayor Winningham, she, yep. she wanted to make a record and nobody would, uh, I mean, she didn't have a lot of people knocking down her door because she's an actress, right. but she's a fabulous writer, player, singer, and uh, well, Saul got somebody involved and said, yeah, well, let's, let's do that. Let's make this record. So I made a record with her and I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the process of, of recording someone else and giving them what I could help them, you know, being behind the glass and being having been someone who recorded for yeah. many years, I felt like I could be some help. And, yep. and it's just I, I really enjoy it. I, I enjoy mixing. I don't mix myself, but I'm always there. I'm there for every note that's mixed. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you got any production jobs looming? Anything coming up? Uh, I've got. Well, there's the the album that just came out um, this Rob Waller album came out oh, right. the same day that I mean, I recorded that, produced it, and uh, that's got uh, some incredible songs. And Rob, I don't know if you know his past. Rob, Icy Hawks in L.A. is his his band, mm -hmm. and he's a baritone, but he also has a beautiful, beautiful low tenor voice. And so we chose some songs. Uh, Saul Davis and I chose some songs that we thought that would showcase that voice rather than the voice he kind of uses in his band with his right. other players. And uh, we used a couple of guys in his band and a couple of guys that I play with. My producer, uh, Michael Reed, played guitar on one of the songs and I played a lot of guitar, acoustic guitar on it. And uh, I played some 12 string on it too. And we just, that that just came out. So that that's one that's down, done. And right. then and then I've got another record uh, by a guitar player from Austin, Texas, Jake Andrews. He's the one that plays on Street Fighting Man. Oh, oh yeah. A, yep. His father was in a band uh, with Tracy Nelson, a uh, band called Mother Earth. If you I just talked that. to Tracy Nelson a couple of weeks ago. Did you? Well, she was in the band Mother Earth with yeah. uh, 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 the uh, three albums on Mercury that, that she did in the 70s. Yep. And he also was in a, a band with um, Boss Gags. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, they're kind of, but we're buddies from way back. And uh, and Jake Andrews is was playing with Albert King in festivals in Belgium when he was seven. That's amazing. And I don't usually like things like that, but Jake is the real deal. He's, right. I mean, he's the guy. He's he he probably he and Eric Johnson to me are my favorite guitar players that are still 
living, obviously Nick Taylor. Uh, Aside. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and one of my favorite guitar players that's no longer with us, Peter, Peter Green. You know. Right, right, yeah. But the but Jake is an incredible incredible player and he did we we I produced an album for him in two thousand two for Antone's label, right and it was vocals and guitar I don't think there might have been one instrumental but the rest of it was three piece power trio kind of stuff with a, you know with him it, he's and he's not Stevie Ray Vaughan he doesn't play like Stevie Ray Vaughan he yep. is a mixture of of many many people but. He's his own man. He's his own style. And I, when he he was nineteen or twenty when I did his first record, and now he's forty one. Gotcha. So uh, good a, record. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then I've got I've got I just did some recording uh, with um, uh, on a, on a Pete Brown album that's coming out. It was supposed to come out in October, and they've got some little snafus coming out in January. Uh, the posthumous Pete Brown, who wrote obviously White Room, yeah, yeah. Love, exactly. Yeah. And he, during COVID, he sent me eight sets of lyrics and I wrote seven songs, one of which they recorded on this album. Clapton's on it, Bonamas is on it, Clem Clemson's on it, um, uh, Arthur Brown is on right. it. And yep. I sang backgrounds on this song called With My Black Cat By My Side. <laughs> and Pete and I never met, but we we forged a, 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 a real friendship in he was, uh, he had had cancer a couple different times then, but, you know, he was locked down at home just like me. And we just found ways to, there you go. to get it done. And yeah, so, but uh -huh. uh, that's the last thing. And then I've got a couple other things that I'm working on, but, uh, you know, I'm always up for something. Anybody give me a call. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's what I'd like to hear. All right. One last thing. What do, what do you think of when you see this? You see that person on the I see that I wish that I they'd use the next frame and not that one. <laughs> There's one when they when we reissued the album, AM wouldn't let us have the artwork. Right. They didn't care about the master. And so they gave us the master and they said you can't use the the cover that you, you know, for the original album. Yep. And I said, okay, I'll use the next slide. So the next <laughs> slide, if you, you can find it on the generally on Amazon or it says I'm turned to the side right and a little bit more you know kind of more Pete Townsend kind of you know wielding it up here rather than yeah. down here I love that cover my my late my late friend Gary Gary Nickerman took that cover on the roof of his house and there was no filter that was just exactly the way it looked nice nice yeah <laughs> yeah and that and Phil Seymour was on that the late oh yeah on that. and uh and I missed I, I miss playing with those guys, but I did a, a Textones reunion album in 2018 with every living uh -huh. Textone on it, including Kathy Valentine. Yep. And we had a recording of Phil singing the song and he, I was able to put, I finished his song, the song is called One Half Rock, The Other Half Roll. And I finished the song, but I, I edited on his start, his singing it at the beginning. And uh, hard to find the album because the record company, um, Gave me, gave me the master's back. I'm going to reissue it. Cool. Reissue it. Very good. All right. Well, uh, thank you for all that. It's fascinating and lovely. The album's great. And, you know, is there going to be a volume four? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> well, I do have a couple of things in the hole. Yeah, I've got a couple of things that are are not finished, but are, are projects that I've started doing some duets with some other people. But that that shall remain to be seen. Yes. You know? 
as is most things. All righty. Well, I'll let you go. Thank you very much for talking to me. Marty, come, it's my pleasure. Come on down and visit if you get a chance in New Zealand. <laughs> I understand it's the most beautiful country in the world. It's not bad. Not bad. Yeah. All right. Take I'll care. See. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye.